Reach Freaks. Thank you for listening to Invisible Choir. This episode contains sensitive material, including graphic depictions of sexual assault or abuse against children, which some listeners may find especially distressing or traumatic. Listener discretion is advised. Welcoming a babysitter into your home requires a certain kind of trust. The family of the children and the parents or guardians of the sitter enter into a sort of social contract with one another, each fully aware of the potential for something bad to happen. We've all heard the stories of babysitters who steal, drink, or invite youthful flings over after the children go to bed. But we rarely hear the story of what can happen when it's one or both of the parents entrusting their children in the care of another who are ultimately not to be trusted. This is one of those cases that will have you second-guessing just who you allow to be around your children. Did you rape her in 2010? No. So the false charges against you? It was false. 100% false. I seen a phone number on Facebook. I felt like that was going to be enough of my way of getting the information that I needed. babysitter for my my youngest daughter but at a different household me and my wife stayed in one place and my daughter mother and her brother and sister stayed in another location and she babysitted in another location I met her December 25th of 2010 In September of 2010, Mesquite, Texas resident Sherry Gray James and an acquaintance, Jennifer, were sharing pleasantries about their children when one of them came up with the idea to have Sherry's 14-year-old daughter, Shania, babysit for Jennifer's three young children. Jennifer lived in a sprawling apartment complex, and soon the agreed-upon arrangement was that Sherry would pick up her daughter at school and drop her off in front of the apartment complex anytime she was scheduled to babysit. The arrangement worked for everyone, and it was a great opportunity for aspiring student-athlete, Shania Gray, to earn a little extra spending money on nights and weekends. Then on Christmas Day of 2010, Shania was being dropped off at Jennifer's apartment building when she ran into the father of one of Jennifer's children, 30-year-old Franklin Davis, who was dropping off his daughter to spend some time with her mother. From that moment on, Davis claimed that he developed a near-instantaneous bond with the 14-year-old girl who had been watching their daughter for the past three months. But then in March of 2011, Shania's mother Sherry found several disturbing text messages on her phone from someone simply named Wish, who she knew to be Franklin Davis's nickname after meeting the 30-year-old herself while dropping off her daughter to babysit. In one of the messages, Wish asked the 14-year-old why she wasn't going to be babysitting for Jennifer any longer. And in another, he wrote, quote, That's f***ing foul. I'm supposed to sit around and wait? Man, whatever. In another message, Shania wrote Davis back. Nope. You're getting mad for what? You got two for the price of one. What are you complaining for? Trying to have your cake and eat it too. And in a coded response, Davis, also known as Wish, wrote back. Just want you, but can't fully have you yet. Sherry grew immediately concerned about her daughter's text messages with the 30-year-old man. And after confronting her with what she had discovered, Shania began to cry and couldn't yet find the words to tell her mother what happened. 
as any concerned parent might, Sherry drove straight to Jennifer's apartment with Shania and showed the woman the text messages that appeared to come from the father of one of her children. Jennifer called Franklin Davis right there on the spot while all three of them were standing in her apartment and casually asked him about the messages. Sherry grew increasingly frustrated at the interaction because it didn't appear as if anyone were taking the issue seriously. So she left with her daughter Shania and decided to send a text message directly to Franklin Davis herself the very next morning. Davis immediately responded to her message, calling her 14-year-old daughter a quote, liar, explaining to her mother that he didn't know he was actually talking with Shania and that he thought the messages were coming from someone else as part of a prank. Sherry blatantly accused him of lying and told him that she was going to the police, only he ended up beating her to the punch. Franklin Davis effectively called the police on himself, preemptively alerting them to the alleged mix-up. He claimed that he didn't actually believe their 14-year-old babysitter had a cell phone of her own and claimed that he was just, quote, playing around with someone he believed to be fully of age. But that very same day, Shania went to school, still distraught from the interaction she had with her mother and Jennifer from the day before. When concerned friends asked her what was wrong, she confessed that the inappropriate contact with Davis went well beyond simple text messages. That's a strange story because the sexual assaults never happened. The sexual assaults was something that was that was told that was said that I'd done that I never did and that's pretty much how everything led up to the, the end of how everything happened. Did you rape her in 2010? No. So the false it was charges false. against you? It was false. 100% false. Shania confided in two of her closest friends at school, who also happened to be sisters, telling them what actually happened between her and Davis. She told them that he began, quote, messing with her, touching her, and stuff like that, while she was babysitting. She described how things started relatively low-key, but that Franklin Davis eventually initiated repeated sexual encounters with her, eventually getting, quote, rough. She told the sisters about one incident in particular, where Davis threatened her with a, quote, samurai sword, and told her that if she told anyone else about their encounters, that he would kill her and her entire family. Afraid for her continued safety, the sisters convinced Shania to come home with them after school and to recount the stories of her repeated sexual abuse to their mother. After hearing her describe in detail the multiple sexual assaults, the girls' mother convinced Shania that she needed to share the whole story with her own mother. With the support and encouragement of her closest friends, Shania shared with her mother the truth behind her and Franklin Davis's relationship, that he had repeatedly sexually assaulted her while she babysat his daughter. Sherry Gray James immediately contacted the police and took her daughter to the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center where they conducted an extensive interview. She then took Shania to the Children's Medical Center for a physical exam. During her interview, Shania revealed to caseworkers that Franklin Davis had sexually assaulted her with full vaginal penetration on at least four separate occasions, once in his home where he lived with his new wife, and three additional times in Jennifer's apartment where she babysat the children. It was pretty much, it started off just fine and I, I looked after her like she was a little sister of mine. Then 
March of March 14th, March 15th, I was accused of sexually assaulting her when I didn't do it. And that's when the cancer started eating me. Cancer kills. It eats you from the inside out, and that's pretty much how, how everything started working with me. It was just over the past year plus of everything going on, it was the good of me was getting ate out. At first off, I couldn't. I didn't believe that it was even that this was even going on because of the relationship that me and her had. I didn't believe it at first. I felt like it was people that was telling her what to say and and so forth. And she even admitted to me that you know that it wasn't her story that she told. It was someone told her to say it. Though Franklin Davis had been initially accused of sexually assaulting 14-year-old Shania Gray in March of 2011. He wasn't formally charged with a crime until July. Police arrested Davis and charged him with four separate counts of sexual assault. He was held in jail until the following month, when he was eventually released on bond through an alleged bureaucratic showing of mercy for the father of four who still needed to care for his children. Well, at, at first I didn't have anything but my word against hers, which apparently that wasn't going to be enough, dealing with my size compared to her. I knew it wasn't going to be enough. Um, I ended up getting a court-appointed lawyer because I couldn't afford to pay for my regular lawyer anymore because I wasn't able to work because you look at my background, show four sexual assaults on her. Um, Just with her, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I got a court-appointed lawyer and I felt that I needed to do some kind of footwork myself. I needed to get some kind of evidence, some kind of proof myself to show that I did not have sex with her and that she's lying and that someone at her age, I think she would not be able to remember her lives. With each of Franklin Davis's subsequent court dates having come and gone, with seemingly no resolution in sight, Shania Gray's family quietly prepared to move 35 miles northwest to Carrollton, Texas. The move represented equal parts privacy and safety and a fresh start as Shania prepared to testify against Davis at his upcoming jury trial, which had finally been scheduled for October of 2012. Shania transferred to the Hebron High School in Carrollton and was just settling into her new life ahead of the upcoming trial. She began that fall term in September and was now 16 years old. Still, many familiar with the allegations couldn't help but wonder what a man like Franklin Davis was doing out on bond to begin with, because as it turned out, he had an extensive criminal past, one that presented prosecutors with red flags abound. Yet just as he had from the first confrontation, Franklin Davis aggressively maintained his innocence. I've been going through this for a year. It's one thing that I always loved was kids. I sacrificed so much stuff for myself because I never had a father and my mother was murdered when I was 14. So I sacrificed so much stuff for myself and my kids and kids that wasn't even mine. I did so much for Shania when she couldn't even talk to her mama and her own family about things that she had problems with, she would talk to me and, and, and Jennifer. And she told us a lot of things that she never even told her parents. Now I actually care for Shania, for them accusation to be put on me after I did as much as I did for her, it hurt. It felt like one of my own kids was saying that I touched them when I didn't. I had to deal with this for a whole year. I lost everything I had. I lost, I lost my mind. It, they kept putting it off. I kept trying to explain to them that 
I want to go ahead and get this in court and get it get it done and over with because I knew where my mind was going and it was going down the wrong road and I kept telling them over and over and over that we need to go ahead and put this in court to get it out the way because as long as it keep going it's it's eating me up so they who is delaying that court the judge um, the prosecuting attorney they kept saying they wasn't ready they wasn't ready it with the information that they claimed that they had on me which was nothing her word against mine they didn't have no DNA they didn't have anything like that to even even try to even charge me with it and they just kept on putting it off every I would go to court every three weeks and I wouldn't even step in to see the judge every time I would go it would be it would be, I would be there for hours and I'd sit, out, sit outside in the hallway and then my lawyer would come, he'd bring a piece of paper for me to sign, I'd sign the paper and walk out. For over a year, that's what I've been going through. And with that, I haven't been able to take care of my kids, my family, myself. Franklin Davis's upcoming sexual assault trial was shaping up to be a classic case of he said, she said. After continued delays and ongoing concerns over available evidence, the 30-year-old recently married father of four put on a convincing front. He claimed, as many predators often do, that he couldn't possibly sexually abuse his 14-year-old babysitter because he thought of Shania not as a potential romantic interest, but as a younger sister or daughter, framing himself instead to just about anyone who would listen as a caring mentor or father figure who had been wrongfully accused and caught up in something bigger than himself. But Franklin Davis by then was no stranger to the criminal justice system, and his string of past romantic partners were all intimately aware of his violent dark side. One of Davis's former partners alleged that when she was just 16 years old and seven and a half months pregnant with his first son, she caught Davis with another woman in his apartment. Davis then apparently snapped, picking her up by the throat and pushing her out the door and up against the building outside. He demanded that she leave and never come back. But after a brief reconciliation, she alleged that Davis attacked her with a coat hanger while she was holding their newborn son, striking her hard enough to cause an open wound. Then there was Jennifer, another mother to one of Davis's several children and the woman who Shania had babysat for. She alleged that Davis had also been violent with her several times. Twice, he allegedly struck her, causing her nose to bleed. During another incident, he pulled a knife on the future mother of his daughter. And during yet another domestic dispute, Davis allegedly shot her in the leg with a BB gun. And as he had been before, Jennifer, while still pregnant with their daughter, caught Davis with yet another woman. And after a brief altercation, she alleged that he grabbed her by the arms, pinned her down, and whispered into her ear, quote, I hope you lose the baby. Another one of Davis's romantic partners over the years would later reveal that Davis once acted out violently during an argument, shoving her against a wall, and like the others before her, alleged that Franklin Davis was a serial philanderer, revealing how she once caught him using her car to go out late at night to cruise for other women. Franklin Davis had also been arrested and convicted of failure to identify and evading arrest in 2001 and fleeing or attempting to elude a police officer during another incident in 2007. 
He had also once received a deferred sentence for felony theft, but his probation was eventually revoked after he had been arrested and convicted of burglarizing a motor vehicle while on supervised release. To those who actually knew him, Franklin Davis's background painted the picture, not of a man wrongfully accused of sexually assaulting and molesting a minor, but of a sex-obsessed predator who was literally willing to do just about anything to evade capture for his wrongdoings. It was an alarming pattern of behavior that he would eventually make good on once again, just weeks ahead of his upcoming sexual assault trial, where Shania Davis was scheduled to testify. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill, if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I had a, a second Facebook page on there that I made up to get information you know, about her that I could possibly use. Um, I never expected to see a phone number on Facebook, but when I seen a phone number on Facebook, I felt like that was gonna be enough of my way of getting the information that I needed. Beginning at least five months before his scheduled October trial, Franklin Davis decided to take matters into his own hands. After losing his job, the trust of his new wife, and faith in his defense attorney, he violated the mandatory no contact order attached to the sexual assault charges when he decided to contact Shania using a fake Facebook profile in a bid to begin his own, quote, investigation into her claims. On May 1st, 2012, Davis created a fake Facebook profile for a young woman he named Jasmine Brown and then began searching online for Shania Gray's profile. After finding her account, he sent Shania an unsolicited message along with a friend request. The message read, quote, Hey Shania, I'm new in the city and trying to find a cool female to befriend without the drama. I like to shot my butt off, lol. Get back at me if we have some things in common. Not recognizing the name, Shania declined the friend request from Jasmine Brown, which ultimately prevented Davis from gaining access to her full profile. Still desperate to find out where she had moved to and whether or not she had posted any of her contact information online, Davis then convinced his nephew Dominic to give him his Facebook password. Davis then logged into his nephew's account and sent Shania a friend request, and then he patiently waited. Shania eventually accepted the request, which then granted Franklin Davis immediate access to her full profile, and most importantly, to her contact information. Shania had listed her phone number on her profile and made it visible to friends only. After gaining access to her account through his nephew's profile, Davis wrote Shania's telephone number down and went out that very afternoon to purchase a prepaid AT&T Go phone, the type commonly referred to as burner phones that are popular among those engaging in communications they do not wish to have traced back to their name. Davis then began searching for the profile of a young, fit, light-skinned African-American male in the area on Facebook. After finding one, he sent the man a message from his Jasmine Brown account, alerting him that Shania Gray might at some point attempt to make contact with him on Facebook. 
but that he should avoid talking to her because she was a minor. The groundwork of his plan finally fully laid out. Franklin Davis then assumed the identity of the young man and initiated contact directly with Shania via text message. So you started communicating with her? Through text message. Through text message as a fake person? Yes. Uh-huh. And how long did that go on for? That I only done it for um, maybe a week and a half. I only think it was really a full week and a half. It was long enough just to get the information that I needed. After I got the information, I had stopped contacting. And what was the information that you needed? Um, to show that the police report, the statements that was on the police report and the statements that she, that I had recorded was two completely different stories. Um, she said that I sexually assaulted her four times. Now on her um, recordings it said three times. Um, she stated that I was the first and only person she had sex with. On the recordings it stated that she had sex with a guy that was 20 years old when, and was in the army and she was only 14, about to turn 15. Um, it, it was just so many different things. Um, another one was she stated that that she was, um, at the time that she claimed that it happened at my apartment, my wife was actually there. So it wasn't no way it could even happen. But then she, on the police report, it stated that it happened in my bathroom in my apartment, one bedroom apartment. And on the recordings, it said that it happened in my bedroom. The recordings that I recorded while I impersonated someone else to get information about the case. In a bid to discredit Shania Gray through whatever means possible, Franklin Davis eventually began talking with her on the phone, assuming the name D in reference to the young man's account he lifted from Facebook. Over the next few weeks, he initiated hundreds of text messages and phone calls with Shania, attempting to build her trust and manipulate her into sharing with him what happened during the sexual assaults. Though he repeatedly prompted her to speak about the details, Shania eventually though reluctantly so, described to him on the phone what happened. She also described how Franklin Davis, quote, attempted to intimidate and manipulate me. Shania's claims about where the assault actually happened in Davis's apartment were not inconsistent as he claimed. During her interviews with the Children's Advocacy Center and the police, Shania recalled that she had been using the master bathroom that was located inside of Franklin Davis and his wife's bedroom when he went into the bathroom to, quote, get her. The sexual assault occurred there in his master suite, apparently, while his wife was away. As the date of his eventual jury trial neared, Franklin Davis claims that his mind state had begun deteriorating significantly, and that he ventured into a dark, dark place that he felt he wouldn't be able to control for much longer. The year of all the, all the pain that I was going through, and when the situation happened, it wasn't me that it wasn't who I actually was that came out. It was like a light switch. Once it hit, it was a dark side came out of me. I was recording all the conversations that me and her was having because I was going to use them in court. And I went to my lawyer and explained to him what I had, hoping that he can just go and show the DA the information because I told him in my mind you know, that it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. That I was losing full, full capability of even even being around other people. I isolated myself from everyone. I stayed in the house. 
the only time I went out outside was either to drop my wife off at work or to go to the gym. And it was going to the gym was to give me something to where I wouldn't have to think about everything that I was facing. I could be sitting down watching TV and it was like I was face out to where just like nobody else is around me. I don't hear the TV anymore. And I'm having thoughts of doing things to people. It don't matter if it was a small situation or a big situation. I had thoughts about doing stuff to people. Any and everyone. All the time. And this went on for months. I, I talked to everyone that I possibly could about it. I figured that the, if anybody could guide me in the right direction, it would be a pastor, um, suicide hotline. Um, I tried to find some kind of free help because I couldn't afford to pay for any help. Nobody could help me. The pastor prayed for me, the suicide hotline people. They, you know, in the way that she talked to me, it was like she didn't know what she was doing. One of Franklin Davis's recordings, Shania repeatedly changed the subject after Dee asked her to talk about the sexual assaults over and over again. At one point, she finally revealed to Dee, quote, He got into my head. I mean, at first I wasn't going to cover for him. That's how stupid I was. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I was going to cover up and take all the blame. And then my mama caught us. I had a babysitting job and he was the father of the kids I was babysitting. He thinks he is going to run away from that. Not like that. I was a child. Davis, still posing as D, then asked how many times Davis sexually assaulted her, to which she responded, I don't know, probably three or four different times, in another attempt to change the subject. Davis also pressed Shania relentlessly to tell D about the first time Davis sexually assaulted her, to which she eventually recounted the horrific details. Shania revealed how Davis would persistently harass her, showing up at Jennifer's apartment whenever she was alone babysitting the kids, until one day he finally told all of the children to go into the other room and not to come out. That was the first time he sexually assaulted her. As Shania described it, he got what he wanted. She also told Dee how intimidated by Davis she was, because he was a very muscular bodybuilder, and that whenever he showed up at Jennifer's apartment, he regularly brought out his samurai swords and played with them in a menacing and at times threatening fashion. As their discussions continued, it became crystal clear to Franklin Davis that Shania Gray wasn't going to lie or cover up for him at all, and that although she didn't want to have to go to trial, she was fully prepared to testify against him if he didn't change his plea to guilty. Over the following weeks and months, Davis tried several other tactics to indirectly intimidate Shania into fabricating a story that she, quote, made the whole thing up, but she wasn't having any of it. After posing as D and telling Shania a fake story about a relative of his who had been falsely accused of rape, Davis attempted to manipulate Shania into believing that if one single detail of her account didn't match up to prior interviews or depositions, she would be arrested for false imprisonment and that she would be, quote, locked up that same day, just like the girl who accused Dee's cousin was. Davis asked her why she wouldn't just tell everyone that she made up the allegations, so that Davis, quote, wouldn't hold a grudge on her from the state pen and come find her somehow. No matter how hard he tried, whether it be the subtle manipulation, the outright lies, 
the indirect threats, or the intimidation. None of it shook Shania enough to cover for the man who sexually abused her at age 14. Realizing that his repeated attempts to persuade Shania into covering up his wrongdoings were proving fruitless, Franklin Davis eventually cut off all contact with her and stowed away his burner cell phone. He then downloaded an app that sends fake text messages appearing to come from any phone number input by the user. He used the app to send himself several messages that appeared to come from Shania's telephone number. In the fake messages, Davis pretended to be Shania, repeatedly feigning to admit that none of the allegations against Mr. Wish were actually true, and that her mother was pressuring her to make up the story and to press charges against him. But nothing stuck, and Davis's defense attorneys weren't taking any of their clients' last-ditch attempts to clear his name to the district attorney. Then in September of 2012, just a few weeks before the jury trial was slated to begin, Franklin Davis reinitiated contact with Shania using his burner phone. Only this time, instead of texting or talking, the young man Shania simply knew as D wanted to meet up with her after school. Um, I had so many things going through my mind. Uh, I was fighting with my demons for, for a little over a year and it, it got too much. I couldn't, pretty much nobody was safe around me. My mind was on a whole nother level. Um, I met up with her, um, told her we needed to talk. She got in the car with me and we, I drove off. Um, we talked about the whole, um, the sexual assault charge that was pending against me. She told me that she was going to tell them the truth, that I never touched her. Even though that was what I needed her to do, it was like it was a different person that was in me. It wasn't me. Davis reignited communication with Shania, posing as D explaining that his recent silence was due to him turning off his phone so that he could, quote, concentrate on school. Davis then arranged to meet up with Shania at Hebron High School on Thursday, September 6th at 4 p.m. He told her to meet him in the parking lot by the tennis court, and she reluctantly agreed. When Thursday afternoon finally came, Shania ventured outside to meet up with her mysterious, good-looking friend named Dee. But as she approached the area in the parking lot near the tennis courts, she instead saw Franklin Davis and immediately froze in fear, blurting aloud, quote, oh shit. When she first saw me, she was scared. She, um, when I walked up to her, you know, she, you know, so she was scared. And when she first saw me, I told her that I was not going to hurt her because I didn't plan on hurting her. That wasn't my intentions. I just wanted to talk to her. Um, when I told her I need to talk to her, she she got in the car with me. I opened the door up, she sat in. Franklin Davis alleged, during two separate jailhouse interviews after his arrest, that Shania Gray voluntarily got into his car after he explained to her that he just wanted to talk. But the minute she stepped foot in his vehicle, she knew what his true intentions were. Because as soon as she closed the door, he pulled out a small 380 pistol and placed it on his lap in between his legs. Shania pleaded to Davis to let her go, explaining that her mother was supposed to pick her up on the other side of the school in just minutes and that she was likely already waiting there. 
but by then, it was far too late. Franklin drove away from the school, heading approximately 13 miles south to Sam Houston Trail Park in Irving. Along the way, Davis ordered Shania to pull out her cell phone and delete all of the messages she had exchanged with Dee, and then ordered her to turn her phone all the way off. She complied, as Davis explained to her along the ride all the ways he felt his life had forever changed since he was publicly arrested and charged with sexual assault. That it was, like, that's when a, a different side of me came out, I guess, talking to her about all the, the pain and all the loss and everything that one single lie put me through. I completely changed my life 100%. I, you know, I was, he was trying to come out, I was trying to hold him in, and I was talking, I'm pretty much crying while I'm sitting in the, in the car talking to her about what her lies have done to my life. And I explained to her that I can't provide for my kids. With four sexual assault charges on your background, show, even if they were showing pending, no one would hire me. My job saved, my, saved it for me when I was in jail for that month, facing the charges, and I bonded out. And I went back to work the next day when I got out of jail, but when they did another background check on me, it came over them four charges, and they had to fire me. Even during his exhaustive jailhouse interview confessions, Davis played the part of the wrongfully accused victim, making up one excuse after another about what his intentions actually were that Thursday afternoon. Even though he was holding Shania Gray at gunpoint and driving her out to a rural wooded section of trail along the Trinity River, he still insisted that he had tricked Shania into meeting because he simply wanted to talk to her and claims that she had finally come clean during their drive south. Started talking about everything that went on, and she said that she was going to tell them that the truth. I never touched her, and that you know, said that she just wanted this all to go away, and so forth. I told her that that's what you know, that's what I need to happen because I can't go to jail for something that I didn't do. And she said that she's going to tell them the truth that I never touched her. And she said that she was made to tell this that, that exact story that she had. That's just the reason why the story don't even make sense. We got out of the car, the agreement was that she can tell her mama whatever she needed to tell her. Because I told her, I didn't kidnap you, you voluntarily got in the car. So I said, you can tell your mama whatever you need to tell her. But, you know what I'm saying, what you need to do is to be honest and tell the truth when you go to court. Uh -huh. It messed up my life. And she said she was going to, but she apologized. And we was walking down the trail, and where I was going to let her stayed I told her stayed up for five minutes before she called for her ride. Um, as we was walking down the trail, it was taped off. It was some kind of yellow caution tape around the, on the side of the trail. So I said, oh, we can't go that way because it's taped off. So when we went back the other way, when we turned back around, I seen a little, little drop-off area from the trail. And I walked down there, and I told her to stay down here for five or ten minutes before you make the phone call. Then when I turned around and walked away, Light switch. After arriving at Sam Houston Trail Park, Davis claimed that he walked Shania down the trail to the river so that they could continue to talk in a quiet spot. He then claimed that he planned to leave her there, telling her that it was okay to call her mother after giving him a five or ten minute head start to leave. But that was never part of Franklin Davis's plan because he would later admit that he had actually demanded Shania leave her phone in his car before walking her down the trail to the river that afternoon. Once they reached the end of a steep embankment overlooking the water, Franklin Davis pulled out his 380 handgun, and while Shania Gray faced away from him, shot her twice in the back. 
I turned around and walked out with intentions on leaving her down there. And then it was like the different side of me came out. It was like I didn't even know what I was doing. I couldn't control it. I, I turned around and I shot. It was somewhere in the, in the, in the back area from the show to blaze up somewhere. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where. Franklin Davis would later admit that upon first shooting at Shania from behind, he had actually been aiming at her head. But after she fell forward into the water, he walked down the steep embankment for a closer look to make sure that she was dead. After realizing he had shot her in the upper back instead of the head, he fired upon the 16-year-old girl again as she struggled to stay afloat in the Trinity River. I shot again, and it took for her to say, why I wish to bring me back to, to who I was. And when she said, why I wish, I felt sorry for her. It was like I went from rage to like light switch cut back down to where I was the, the current person that I was when I first met her. I helped to get out the water. And um, when I helped to get out the water, she had laid down after she got out the water. And um, it was like the light switch flicked back up again. And I sent her home. Like I couldn't even control myself. So it was like it switched back on. And before I realized it, I stepped on her neck. She grabbed my leg for a couple seconds. It was only a couple seconds. I don't even think that, I, honestly, I think she was probably already in, in the process of dying. And um, that pretty much just sped it up. I apologized to him. Told that I was sorry. Told that I loved him. I stood there for a second. Thanks God to forgive me and I rolled in the water. I went back up to the top and I stopped and I was turning around because I was going to go and help her, but she was already gone. I wanted to get her back out of the water. But she went in the water, she went to the bottom, I couldn't see her. And I got paid for what I done. seeing her thrashing about in the river and pulling her back ashore, Franklin Davis told Shania to lie down. He then carefully placed his foot upon her neck and pressed it down with all of his weight. At one point, he recalled that she briefly reached up and grabbed at his foot, but that just as quickly her hand fell and she was gone. Franklin Davis then rolled Shania Gray's lifeless body into the Trinity River and then left. Shania Gray's mother reported her missing the following afternoon. After receiving the report, police quickly retrieved her phone records and saw that she had been talking to a man named Dee and that the two had planned a rendezvous after school. The police immediately suspected 
The mystery man who simply went by D was Franklin Davis all along. They brought him in for questioning on Saturday, September 9th, and he immediately admitted to his involvement in her murder. Coincidentally, Irving police received a call that very afternoon while they still had Franklin Davis at the station for questioning, reporting that a passing cyclist had discovered a body floating in the Trinity River, just downstream from where Davis admitted to shooting Shania Gray. After confessing to the killing, Davis took police to the area where he first shot Shania, and then to the spot just downstream where he pulled her ashore and stepped on her throat until she died. He then led them to two separate ponds where he disposed of various evidence from the crime, including a soiled blanket, both of their cell phones, the sweatpants that he was wearing at the time of the shooting, and the gun. Franklin Davis was convicted of capital murder by a jury of his peers in November of 2013. State District Judge Mike Snipes sentenced him to death the following Saturday. During his trial, nearly every one of the blatant lies Franklin Davis told was systematically deconstructed by the prosecution. The man who alleged to have looked after Shania as a father might had actually saved an image of her to his burner cell phone in which she was wearing a skimpy bikini top and short shorts. The monster who claimed to have just snapped after a quote light switch had simply tripped off in his mind before he killed Shania Gray had actually been meticulously searching the internet since the week of his arrest in July, using such terms as With no proof that you did the murder, can you still be held in jail? And Will a person stay in jail on a murder charge if police can't find the body? And the protector, who claimed that he quote, always carried my gun with me, and that he just happened to have it on him the day of Shania's murder, had actually purchased it just the week before from a close friend for $200 cash so there wouldn't be a paper trail leading back to him. All of it was a lie. What started as a case of he said, she said, ended abruptly in tragedy after Franklin Davis meticulously plotted and eventually carried out his plan to kill Shania Gray after he realized that she wouldn't stand for anything but the truth, which was far more than he could handle.